Morning. Uh, at this time, I invite you to open up your pew Bibles, and there is an error in your bulletin. The page number for our text this morning is a number very familiar to me, as it's the basis for most of my secure passwords. It's page one, two, three, four. There's not enough of a joke in there right now. (laughs) And before we jump into this, uh, let me take a moment and explain. Um, We've been going through the seven sermons in the book of Revelation. And each of these sermons which we've done in the last five weeks had this short little line which was he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so this morning, before we jump into this text, because this text I chose for this church as a vision for us, because it's written to the church of all time, uh, I'd, like to join, I'd like to invite you to what's called a prayer of illumination, because this text, I hope, will be what inspires you with a vision. So that, uh, before we read it, Let me invite you to prayer. Heavenly Father, gracious God, God of light, who spoke creation into existence. Lord, we gather here this morning with hearts which are often hard and ears which are often closed and eyes which are often blind. So Lord, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, You would soften our hearts. You would open our ears. You would open our eyes that we might see the glory of your word and what you speak to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to listen to the word of God for us this morning. Revelation twenty one twenty two. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and, the, and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. 
They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, the words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the, bo of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So maybe some of you noticed, it's a small detail, but um, we have skipped 17 and a half chapters. And it was hard for me to choose what text I would end my time here. And I went back and forth on numerous texts. But I ultimately chose this text, and I almost chose 
uh, a good, good portion of chapter 21 to include. And there's a reason for that. You see, these last five weeks, as we've gone through these seven churches, we've had Jesus come to them, these specific churches, always revealing himself. But every time he revealed himself, he included something else, a promise of some time to come, of, of a time when they would rule, or of protection from the second death. Every one of these churches had a promise. And so as I prepared to leave here, I thought it fitting that we jump from these specific churches, from text which was to these specific churches, to a text which was to the church of all time, where the whole church will see what Jesus brings. See, every one of those seven churches Jesus came with a revelation, but also a destination, which was to give motivation to that church. And this morning, as we look forward, I hope to well up in you a heart that is actually excited for the very heaven which we so often neglect. Can I ask you, when was the last time you seriously dwelt thinking about heaven? This week, we are given a singular vision of a time and a kingdom which is a true home for the church. J.R. Token has this, this quote, and I see it all the time on Facebook. It's not all who wander are lost, Right? Not all who wander are lost. We all love that. But you know, those who have a goal, who are journeying to a specific place, they don't wander. They take the beeline shot. They, they straight go for it, right? And so, as we look at the churches we've gone through and the church that we are this morning, I hope that we'll see there is a goal which we should have our eyes set on. As we walk and live this life, we live it with eyes set on what's before us and also what will be to us. Not all who wander are lost, but those who are journeying to a specific place wander if they are lost. You get to a place by seeing its destination and keeping that as your focus. Pilgrim's Progress does this vision all the time throughout the story. And so the vision of this final two chapters to the church belongs to the church. And it belongs to us so that we might see where we ought to look and where we might find the motivation for the continuation of our faith to its culmination. This morning, as we go through this text, I have three points which I'd like to explore. The three points are a purpose found in the destination of heaven, the new earth, and the arrival of Christ. The purpose, 
the glory, the means, and then a final reflection on prayer as the process by which it's done. So this morning, I invite you to walk through this text and see, first, the new purpose, which we will see only in heaven. Verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And then verse 5. And night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What is so exciting about this? Well, for starters, we see a new purpose in it. You know, uh, Abraham Kuyper, who's well known in all the Dutch circles, he's a classic, uh, he was a prime minister back in the Netherlands. He has this quote which he gave in a speech. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Kuiper spoke that, and he was speaking in terms of missions, and he was speaking of how Jesus reacts to a fallen world. And we have seen that to some extent with these seven churches, right? As Jesus says to them, you're a church and you're mine. But here, at the end of Revelation, there's something remarkable. We see the churches respond. We see creation responding with a purpose which it's never had before. You know, I can best illustrate it in the movie The Lion King, which I saw about a week ago. And I saw it with my roommate. Well, no, I saw it by myself. He fell asleep after 10 minutes, so. (laughs) But there's this scene in The Lion King, and it's where uh, Simba climbs to the top after, it's near the end, right? And he climbs, and the world is desolate. It's a fallen, dead world, and he roars, right? And in that scene, I can't help but imagine Jesus crying out, mine. But what's amazing about that movie and about some of the art that's seen is the very next scene which is there shows the land and it's raining and there's this skull, a dead animal. And so he roars out of, over this whole creation which is dead. There's no response. And then the film does this quiet, subtle move that shows the passage of time. And the scene slowly shifts from a a world which is absolutely dead, and I encourage you to go back and watch the movie because it's amazing, to a world full of vibrancy and life. And then the next scene after that is the animals bowing in this sign of reverence and worship. You know, Kuiper speaks this quote, and I've heard it so many times, of, of Jesus roaring, mine. But he can roar over every square inch 
of a dead creation. Yet here in chapter 21 and 22, we see a living creation. This is the work of God, and that's what we should be excited for. We have to wonder how much of life we really know. He's roared, saying, every square inch is mine. Yet here we see every square inch, all the people, all the nations of the world, and all of creation responding yours in worship. Do you, do you see it? These verses. Nothing will be accursed. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will reign forever and ever. A purpose which comes out of redemption and seen fully in heaven. My second point, a glory like we've never known before. You know, this text is full of an illustration which would have hit closer to the ancient world than it does to us. But interestingly, here in California, it is more relevant to you than Michigan. 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. This text would have called to mind in the ancient world what the really impressive cities did. See, every city, if it was something, had a gate. And at the gate, there was also often what we would call, what was called a nymphaeum. It's a fountain, all right? And water was a significant part of the ancient culture. And so you'd see usually on either side, fountains. And yet, we have in the ruins of some of the really impressive sites, they would have a fountain which would literally run down the middle of the street so that on either side, people would walk and there would be businesses, but, but water, the life of the ancient world, would be the center and it would overflow down the city. It's interesting, but this water which abounds brings forth fruit in all sorts of diversity, 12 different kinds, each month in their time. If this wasn't enough of a call to glory for the ancient world, those that which, which we might miss, it might be like how significant the delta is here, Right? But also, added on this are these verses which point towards the glory of nations, all the world, diversity like we've never seen before being brought, the very best of each. Verse 24 of chapter 21, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Verse 26, 
They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. We tend to have a small view of heaven. We tend to think of a heaven which is my little slice, my little piece. And what a silly and a small view that is. Heaven is the creation of God who created all. And it's in his presence. The very beginning and end of all creation will be found in the presence of the God who created it all. And it will overflow and trickle down and out. Finally, in chapter 22, we see the means, the means by which a new life and a new heaven is manifested. Verse 22, verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And again, in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price, the spirit and the bride. For four weeks, we have explored churches, and every one of these churches ended with this line, or at least had a near the ending, this line, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Here in verse 22, we see this unison of the bride which is the church you and i speaking together with the spirit in a common prayer do we see this we spend all our lives learning to walk in the spirit earlier this this week i was talking to some congregants and i don't remember who they were but i remember them lamenting how they describe when they worship, they struggle to keep the pace with, the clap, with clapping, right? Where whenever there's a song with clapping, they would have to look and watch someone else. And we, actually it was with Patrick. And he, he joked, he was joked. He's like, um, you know, he's just getting off, beat, you know, he's uh, on the uh, second beat. Yet here at the end, we see the Lamb and, and God in all of his creation. And we see that manifested in a common prayer. Which leads me to my final observation. This prayer of come Lord Jesus. I, have, I want you to, to think just for a moment on this question. We only pray... We only want things we know about, right? No one prays for a sneed, which is a Dr. Seuss quote for a made-up thing. No one prays for something which doesn't exist or a desire which you don't have. No one's ever prayed for socks on Christmas. Yet here, 
near the end of the Bible, verses 17 and 20 of chapter 22 end in a prayer. So often the things we pray for are kind of lackluster. They're the wrong things. You know, it's remarkable, but this isn't the first time we see a prayer for Christ's coming. This is just the first time we see it done in unison with the Holy Spirit. You know, the apostles asked Jesus, how ought we to pray? And he responded like this. Our Father, hallow, our, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning, if you find yourself maybe un, un, unenchanted by the vision which will be, right, of the kingdom coming, then I have this homework for you. Read the fullness of chapter 21. See if that doesn't make the world around you seem small and lackluster. See if it doesn't make you crave for a true home, a home better than the home which I'm about to travel to, right? Which I long for. But heaven is far more permanent and far better. And after reading 21 and 22, read the Gospels. And hear what the Holy Spirit says to you. Be, be captured by the free grace, by the gift of God who has revealed himself as great. And if, if he is great, then his presence, if the revelation of this God is great, then the destination of being before him and with him in heaven will be greater than anything we have. If it's captured your heart, if the cross has captured your heart, then the destination ought to too. Where the home of the church is, and where the, hope, where the home of the church and the hope of the church meet, is at the return of Jesus and his kingdom. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, King of kings and true shepherd of your church, God, we pray for your return. Jesus, we know the work that you have done on the cross, and Lord, as we gather together in worship, we long for the fulfillment of all things that are in you. We long to be be fully redeemed, to have a world that is fully redeemed by you, to see a land which has no touch of curse and in which life flows and overflows in abundance down to the very lowest lands. Lord, we come to you from many fallen places with hearts which have forgotten love forgotten the cross. We come with burdens, persecutions, sins, complacencies, and discouragement in our heart. Yet we are your church. 
And now, Lord, we pray that by and through your spirit, you would capture our hearts with the fullness of your glory in Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters,